Hey, did y'all appreciate Earl's message last week, Campus Sunday? It's so good. We got to, me and my wife drove to Abilene, Texas. Um, and that's where we actually uh, had two of our children and uh, got to preach at our Evernation Church there with Pastor Rich. And he was celebrating his 10-year, he's on our board as well, his 10-year uh, anniversary as a pastor. And so we got to go there and missed you guys, missed campus Sunday, but knew it was all good. And the week before, G did a great job as we went through our Abide series. And we're not done abiding but we're done with that series for now. And we're moving on to another series today that the Lord is calling us to. As uh, I was praying months ago about kind of where the Lord wants to take us. And I don't know if you know, but we don't just kind of come up with things or try to find something online to talk about, uh, but really want to hear from the Lord, from our leaders and what we feel like God is sharing with our church for this moment, for this time, and for Houston, Texas. And this, this time, we're going through a series called Recalled. Now, when I was 40 years old, I leveled up from 3.9 to 4.0. Not a red convertible, um, but a black uh, Honda Accord. Like, just a, just a good, good car. Um, you know, I'm not going through any midlife crisis or anything, Melissa. Just a, a good economical car, but it was a sport version, so that thing can kind of sporty. Um, but I remember... I got this car and I remember like a couple months afterwards, I'm already getting a recall from Honda for this car. I'm like, I just got this car. What do you mean a recall? And having to bring it into the manufacturer and figure that out. What's, What's interesting about that is that they want you to bring it in and they want to fix some things that they didn't quite get right or maybe things that they've noticed in certain types of cars or certain ways that it's not performing optimally. This series is about that, especially for believers. Uh, If you're a non-believer in here, we're so thankful that you're here. You're searching, you're seeking, you're trying to figure out what you believe or not sure exactly. Or maybe you've been hurt by the church and you're just kind of dipping your toe back in because you're going, I don't know about church. I get all that. No one knows church hurt more than pastors. I'm just going to say that. And a lot of the pastors are the problem of church hurt as well. But we get it. We understand that. And we're here for you. We want to build community. But today, I want to talk to believers in the room. Can we do that? If you're a believer in the room, if you're a member, if you're in our church, I want to talk to you because I feel like the Lord is recalling some of us to some things. And going back to the manufacturer, what was interesting is we're planning this series. And this last week, even just on Tuesday, I was reading an article how Tesla Uh, had to recall 500,000 vehicles this week uh, for for all sorts of reasons, some kind of audio problem they needed to fix and had to do a recall. But even crazier, this week, Hyundai and Kia, if you have a Kia or a Hyundai, um, you need to know this, okay? If you came to church just for this, you're welcome, by the way. There was a recall this week of 500,000 cars and SUVs in the United States. And in fact, they told them not to park outside and park away from buildings due to a possible defect that can cause the vehicles to spontaneously catch fire even when not running. True story. This week. And here's what the article said. The problem is that due to foreign contaminants, the anti-lock brake computer control module can short circuit and possibly start a fire in the engine compartment. Aren't you glad you came to church today? It's interesting being made and fashioned in a certain way, but as 
things happen. As life goes about, as contaminants get in, every once in a while, and probably more often than we're readily to admit, we need to go back to the manufacturer for a recall. Recalled into purpose, recalled so that we can go out and do and perform the duties that we're called to do. I want to talk about this today by recalling us to our calling. In Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, Jesus lays out what is known as the Great Commission. It's a great phrase for what this is because it's not just the great mission of Jesus, which is what we proclaim, which is what we believe in the gospel, that he's the only one that has lived a perfect life that I should have lived and died the death that I should have died in my place so that I can have a relationship with God again and be back with him. He did the work. That was his mission, and he accomplished it. And at the end of that mission, he goes into this beautiful phraseology, this beautiful script of not just saying, guys, I did it, but of saying, you are now on mission as well. You are co-missioned. You're with the mission of God. I think a lot of us have struggled in life because a lot of bad things have happened the past few years. We have some sort of idea that like there's a utopia out there and when things go wrong, we're just like, what's up? And we're mad at God or we're mad at this and we're trying to fix it and figure it out right now. And I'm here to tell you, that's not bad. Do that. But let's add to that what Jesus tells us to do. It's not just work on yourself, be introspective, grow personally, do the things. Absolutely, yes. And we're going to talk about that. That's part of it. But also, or should I say, and get on mission with God. Because it's just like in health. Like you can focus on good health and everything, but, but they say you need to add to a good diet exercise. And in fact, you're going, well, I'm so tired. I don't want to exercise. I got too, I'm too busy to exercise. But we know if you exercise, you get more energy. It's counterintuitive. It's upside down. And so Jesus comes in and he doesn't say, it's all done. You're perfect. You're going to heaven. This is great. You have a relationship with God. But he says, listen, what you also need is to get on mission because I'm not just saving you to go to heaven. I am now bringing heaven to earth and I'm looking for an army that you will find. Find your healing as you go, not just if you stay and wallow in trying to work on myself and get really better. God wants to use imperfect people like you and me, broken vessels like you and me, because part of your healing is not just in your relationship with God and people, but in the mission God has called you on as well. And a lot of us aren't going to get healed until we start stepping out in faith and doing what God has also called us to do. Because as you step out and you see mountains move, listen, it enhances your faith even more. Look what God's doing. Look what he can do. And he wants to use me? I'm broken. He can't use me. I need to be perfect and fixed. He says, no, because part of being fixed is getting on mission. Join my mission. Just like part of health is not just doing one thing that's good, but getting out and moving. And in fact, you create more energy. Many of you say, I don't have anything else to give. And he's like, well, maybe it's because 
you're giving in the wrong manner. He says this in Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. He has died, resurrected. He's talking to and commissioning his people. And he says this. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Stop for a second. We treat God, Christianity, the Bible, church, like God just has authority in heaven. But here on earth, man, it's no. No, man. The enemy's got it. Everything's just horrible. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Just look at it. And Jesus is going, hey, um, by the way, what I did is far more than what you understand. Like I got the keys back, and I'm not just trying to get you to heaven. Again, heaven is not a place we go. It's a place we grab and bring here. This is Jesus' words. The kingdom of God is near, within reach. And he made the way for that. But if we're just like, oh, when I get to heaven, yes, it's going to be great, awesome. But guess what? Heaven's here. There's going to be a new earth, a new heaven. God is restoring what he started in the garden that we messed up. And he wants to bring everything back into restoration. And he says this, I've been given all authority. Listen, we're not trying to get you to the altar to proclaim Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Yes, that's part of it. But listen, I'm not trying to convince you that Jesus should be your Lord and he should govern your life. Listen, he is Lord, period, whether you believe it or not. He is. That's comforting to me because I'm not just waiting and trying to convince people. He says, I'm it. I've done it. And this is someone who is humble, a humble king. Someone who did it the upside down way. He didn't raise an army. He destroyed an army through the cross. That's someone I want to follow. And he says, I've done it. I got it back. And because I've done that, don't just sit there. Don't just enjoy life every once in a while. Get on mission with me. Because there's people that need my authority in their life that will bring them true peace and true life. So he says, because of this, go therefore. We've talked a lot about this. The Greek word there is as you go. So it's not just go do a mission trip. But as you go about your everyday life, do what? Make disciples of all nations, all ethnicities, all people. Not just my people, but even those people that I don't relate with. Go because this kingdom message and God can absolutely relate and cares about each person. Not just the people I care about. Thank God. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. That word isn't just water, but it means immerse them in what? Not just in water, which we're about to do for a couple of people, which is amazing. And, and it signifies being buried like their old identity, everything they were under. They don't, they don't hold up any other thing. Yeah, but I've got this anger and it's not going under. No, everything I am goes under to die, to raise, to walk in newness of life in Christ. My old identity is dead, and now I am a child of God. I am new in Christ. That's water baptism. But he's not just talking about water baptism here. He says, baptize them not just in water, but in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. This is the Trinity that we see. The name, everything, immerse them in who God is. His love, the actions of the Son, the comfort and power of the Holy Spirit. Be immersed in that, in all of life, not just in one component. And he says teaching them, teach people, 
to observe all that I commanded, all the teachings that Jesus has, all the things that he's instructed us to do, because he has a way for us. He's not just saying, figure it out. Good thing you're going to heaven. He's saying, I've got a way to walk. I am the way. And we need to observe that way. And then he says, and this is great. He's not just like, and you got it. Bye. He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Always. He's not just with you right now because you're at church. He's not just with you when we're singing Move a Mountain. He's with you at work. He's with you when you wake up. He wants to be with you. Man, there's a lot of me. My wife doesn't want to be with me always. I'll tell you that. And ditto sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like my, my, my 18-year-old son, I don't want to always be with him. And he certainly doesn't always want to be with me. Well, he should, right? No, you do. You do. Always. Thank you. Ten Christian points to you. We don't operate that way. It's a joke. Okay, I got to qualify. I'm, I'm a joker. I'm a joker. I'm with you always. God, why would you want to be with me? Because I love you. Because I'm for you and not against you. Because I've got plans for you. The Holy Spirit told me this week, I wrote it down in MailChimp if you ever read that. He said, Chris, I know you've been bored before. And then you like endlessly scroll through Netflix trying to find something to figure out what to do. And the Holy Spirit said, I'm kind of bored right now. Not because I'm not moving, I'm moving, but I'm desperately wanting my people to move with me. To experience life. There's nothing like, you know, when you see a good movie, you experience a good, a good, a good wedding or a good event or a good celebration, you start telling people about it because you want them to experience it as well. And God's saying, listen, I'm not just here to do it by myself. I want you to experience the love of God, the power of God, the mission of God. He can do it, but he wants his people to step up and go, me too. I'm with you. Always. Always. We phrase our mission as a church, and I believe as believers, to do two things. Honor God, glorify God. My life is not about me. It's not about Chris's success. I'm going to die. Everyone will forget me. I don't know my great-grandfather's name. I don't know anything about him. Within a generation or two, you, me, most of us will be forgotten. But God will be glorified forever. I want to honor him. I want him to say, well done, because you honored me. I want to honor him. And then how do I do that? Do what he said to do. Been given all authority in heaven and earth, you go. Make disciples. Be a disciple and make disciples. So I want to talk about what is a disciple? And so many of us have different ideas of what this is. Maybe if you're online and you've been to this church or that church, you moved to Houston, you're trying to find a church and you have an idea of what a disciple is. Even if you've never been to church, you, you hear a disciple, you're like, I think I know what that is. But listen, in our day and age today, words matter and it's, it matters what we mean when we say certain things. And if you have this idea and you have this idea and you have this idea, we're not clear on the same page. That could be problematic, much less if 
what did Jesus mean? If this is my mission, if this is going to be a part of God's mission, what does this mean to be a disciple? Well, let's start by what it's not. Oftentimes it's helpful to define something by what it's not, give the antithesis of it, the antonym of it. Let's see. Discipleship is not, number one, leadership development. That doesn't mean it doesn't have leadership development in it, but if we just compartmentalize it into leadership development, this can be dangerous. For instance, a lot of us think disciple, immediately we go to Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, like we think of the 12 disciples. And so then you think of like Jesus is with 12 people. So if I want to be a disciple, Chris, you're right, man, I feel convicted. I need to be a disciple. So I need to find some kind of guru and be with him 24-7 and us 12 are going for it. Listen, that could be helpful. There's certain people you need to listen to and, and be under their leadership and care, but that's not discipleship alone. I'll tell you why. John 6, 66, we see more than just 12 disciples. We call them the 12. They're apostles or disciples. But Jesus had hundreds of disciples, even while he was alive. And you see this, John 6, 66, after he said some really hard things, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Wasn't just the 12. What about Luke 10, 38 and 39? It says this, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, we've heard of Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. That sat at the Lord's feet was a colloquialism at the time of being a disciple, listening, teaching, learning, sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, he had women disciples, he had men disciples, he had kids, he had all sorts, he had hundreds of people that followed him. He sent out 72 people to go do the work. It's not just the 12, so it can't just be leadership development, even though that could be a component of it. And, and the reason why it's important to say that is because some of you will hear me say, honor God, go make disciples. And you'll go, I just don't have time for that. Because you're thinking of it this way. And I'm here to say also, if you just think about it one little way, you dilute the effectiveness of it in all of ways. It's so much more potent than that. What else? Discipleship is not a program or a study. We have the Purple Book and Biblical Foundations class, and we have classes. We do not call them discipleship classes, and we do that on purpose. Because we don't want to get the idea that this is discipleship class, but serving in church or giving or going to work is not. That's, that's dangerous, I think. Because we start getting a mentality through our actions that, okay, if I'm a disciple, I go to a class. It's not just that. Can it involve that? Yes, but it's not just that. It's not you version, having a Bible study on your own or going through. I'm really struggling with worry, so I get kind of all the scriptures to deal with worry. That could be a part of it, but it's not just that. And I don't want you to hear that. Or else, again, you might dilute what discipleship is. What else? Discipleship is not, my last one, just three, is not one-on-one -on -one mentorship. A lot of times, and I think... I think that this has been throughout the church. Some of it started with the Navigators, which is a great ministry out of Billy Graham. But it's this idea that I'm being discipled by someone. So we would ask, Jay, who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? The problem with the word discipling is it's a verb. And the word disciple that Jesus uses is a noun. So it'd be like asking, who are you Christianing? Who are you Christianing? It, it, it's actually not accurate fully. 
That's why I like the term mentorship. Like you need to find a mentor, find somebody one-on-one that's great, but do not dilute, it can be a part of it, do not dilute discipleship, making disciples into just a one-on-one time getting in the Bible with somebody. It's not what it is. So you're going, okay, great, Chris. It's not those things. What is it? Well, let's look at the actual Greek word. Here's the Greek word, mathetes, which means this. Literally, it means this, a learner. It's a noun, a learner. Now, there's so much more to that because we could think of learner and we just think intellectually, but learning, think about a child with a dad, learning is not just learning what you know, but learning who you are. How to not just think, but how to do. Learning encompasses everything. Here's the picture I want to give you, and I've done this a lot. I grew up really enjoying Mr. Miyagi, Daniel LaRusso, and Karate Kid. How many of you guys watched the new one uh, from Will Smith, the movie, and then maybe you watched the Netflix one? Come on, don't be ashamed. You know you did it. There's a reason why I was number one for a second. Come on. Not great karate, but... um, Interesting, you know, nostalgia alone. The new one was very interesting because Mr. the new Mr. Miyagi kind of type figure, right, was Jackie Chan, which I like Jackie Chan, great guy. And he was, he was quoted in the movie by saying this. This is the picture I want you to get for being a disciple. He says this, Kung Fu lives in everything we do. It lives in how we put on a jacket and how we take off a jacket. It lives in how we treat people Everything is Kung Fu. Here's how I want you to view discipleship holistically. Everything is a part of being a disciple of Jesus. Not just church, not just a class. We dilute it to that. And then we disintegrate ourselves and remove ourselves. And God says, I want all of you. What gospel did you believe? I don't want just this piece that I'm taking to heaven. I want to heal everything. I want your mind, your will, your emotions, your thinker, your chooser, your feeler. I want all of you. And this is what Jesus says, all authority. Go, for, go therefore, be immersed. Because you get to be immersed in God. Who else should you be immersed in? It's everything. I like this phrase for disciple because we don't throw around the term disciple nowadays like they did in the first century. It was a common thing to hear and see and find someone to be a disciple under. I like the phrase apprentice. And here's what the definition of apprentice is. One who is learning by practical experience under skilled workers in a trade, art, or calling. And you get the, the picture here. If you remember the apprentice, Donald Trump, not to trigger anybody, just calm down. It's okay. You're going to be fine. But there's a new apprentice coming out in Netflix, which is interesting. And what's cool about that show is like you're looking at the guru, the person you want to be like. Like you want the business like them. You want to act. In, and they're looking for someone that they could really be a right-hand type man. Like, yes, you can be like me and do what I do. You're the apprentice. Listen, that's what being a disciple is. And this is the beauty of it. Jesus is calling you and you and you and saying, you can be like me. Wow. And the crazy thing, he knows what you thought about last night. He knows what you did two years ago. And he's going, yeah, what I did is strong enough to make you like me. Not, not me. He's God. 
but to be like me, to be a disciple, to follow me. It's a beautiful thing. So learning a practical, through a practical experience under skilled worker, trade, art, or calling. Here's the deal. You might say, that, that still seems like a lot. I just don't know about this Christian thing. Because you have like this mindset of somebody who's like immersed in God and they're super weird. You know those people. Like you can't have a real conversation with them because everything's just like, praise God. You're just like, well, but how's life? Praise God. God is good all the time. And then you're, they're waiting for you to say, and all, and all the time God is good. But like, how are your kids? You know, like what's going on in your life? I'm not talking about your idea. I'm talking about Jesus' idea, someone who raised up people that turned a world upside down, you understand, in a matter of two generations. People that gave their life for this calling, literally, and watched nations change. Not fake, not hypocrites, but true, humble people that said, thank you, God, for having the authority. Thank you for being with me. How can I not surrender? So will I. This is interesting because the idea is this. Everyone is a disciple of something or someone. Like you might say, I don't really understand that. I've never done that. No, you're a disciple of somebody or something. 100%. If I sat down long enough with you, I could get on your soapbox, find out what you're super passionate about. And that thing or that person is the thing or person you are discipled under. Jesus says it very boldly in John 8, 34. He says this, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. It's not just like, oh, I messed up every once in a while, I'm imperfect. He says, you're literally in bondage to that thing and you're stuck in it. And we just go, well, you know, nobody's perfect. He's like, no, 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 like, I I get that. I died to help you, not because you're perfect. But I'm also here to break that off of you. And you're either going to go back to that, like a dog returns to his vomit, as the proverb says, or shift furniture in your life and go back to something else, or you go to Jesus. There's no in-between. There's no just like, no, I'm, I'm even living for yourself. You're bound to all the other people. You think you're super unique and cute and independent, but you're still acting just like that person or that person or that culture. You're bound. You're discipled by someone. All of us, including myself, if I'm not discipled by Jesus. Paul, when he's giving his testimony, says it this way. He, Paul is telling about, telling the people about what happened when he got saved and what Jesus told him. Look at what he says, verse 16, Acts 26. But rise and stand, Jesus tells Paul, upon your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose. Here's your purpose. Here's your calling. Here's why I'm, I'm coming to you. To appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen. And I love this. And to those in which I will appear to you. As you go, I'm going to show you some new things. Look what he says. Verse 17. Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I send to you. Why? To open their eyes 
so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan, what, what, what? to God. Earl talked about it last week. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. He kind of paints these two pictures. You're not just on a treadmill going nowhere. You're either going forward or you're going back. You're either decided by this, that, or him. And that reality has to come into our life, lest we think, no, nah, I'm good. But is your way working? think about that nowadays with all of the, the things people are trying to figure out truth and grasp at this and kind of kind of grab the wind of, of what is right and my way is right and our political agenda and this way is right and your way is not and we're just grasping trying to figure it out and yet a lot of those same people you're not seeing peace you're not seeing anything but performance and pride a lot of times a lot of times and Jesus comes in and says it's because you're bound and you don't even know it a lot of times. So, what is a disciple? A learner? The way we define it at City Life is this. A follower of Jesus. Not the church, not Chris, not G, Earl. A follower of Jesus first and foremost. Who is what? Christ-centered. Which means he orbits, we orbit everything around him. Our family, our life, our work. Spirit-empowered, and the reason why that's important is because as you start to order your life around Jesus, you say, come into my workplace, come into my family, not just like I have my 15 minutes with you and then I move on, but like you're in everything. Behold, you're with me always. As you start to walk that out, you quickly, quickly, quickly go, man, I need some help. And thankfully, Jesus said in John chapter 14, I'm not leaving you alone. Here's my Holy Spirit. You get to the end of yourself and you're like, I, I need more. And he's like, yeah, Exactly. You need more of me. You need my spirit to help guide you. He's called a guide, a, a counselor, the counselor. You need counselors around you, but he's the counselor, the comforter, the one who leads you to truth. And then socially responsible, the action. And here's another way of seeing it. Being a disciple of Jesus, listen to this and, and get this in your head is moving from continuous partial attention to God, yeah, to constant conscious communion. That's beautiful. Constant conscious communion with God. When you leave this place and are sent out into the world, God doesn't stay here. Thank the Lord. God isn't just at the Pate's house. God goes with you. Are you conscious of it? Of the God who says, behold, I'm with you always. And the God consciousness, not only just thinking about that, but the communion with him. Coming into union. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to help me in my workplace. You want to help me in my family. That you want to bring people alongside to commune with and to pray with. But God doesn't leave you. Here's another way of putting it as we wrap up. Someone who gives, a disciple is someone who gives their whole life to do these three things. Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, social responsible. But here's, a, here's another way to think about it. 
to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to behave like Jesus. It's not enough just to have good intentions. Those intentions need to be backed up with actions for people to see change. This is what it means, but it's centered around him. He wants to be with you. This is the abiding, the abiding. And maybe you've been abiding. Maybe you've been doing better at that. Maybe you've jumped on our clcstarter.com and our great writers that want to try to help you get in the word, even just five minutes early in the morning. Here we go. I mean, that's kind of how we do things because we want to help you. We want to equip you. We want to say, just go figure it out. We're going to say, here's a great path. Walk in it. Take the baby steps. Let's go forward. Be with Jesus. When the last time you were just with? When was the last time you were just with someone? where you weren't distracted by this device that can be really, really good and horribly bad, bring so much device of distraction, divisions. When's the last time? I appreciate going to lunch with Tim Harrison a couple months ago and, and he, he's on his phone and he gets on his phone and he, he literally, because Tim's an awesome, awesome leader. He's like, hey, I, I'm taking notes. Uh, of what you're saying. I'm not texting someone right now. And I so appreciate him saying that because how many times have you talked with somebody? Yep. Uh-huh. And then your wife or your husband says, did you really hear me? what I say? Uh. Being with is a discipline. Just, and I like the word be. Not just do. Just being with Jesus. Listen, you know what that says? He actually wants to be with me. There's tremendous emotional and mental healing that you need, you need counselors. We're not anti-getting counseling. Get counseling. It's great. It's good. As an anchor of multiple anchors, not as a silver bullet, horrible silver bullet, good anchor of multiple anchors. But there's something that happens into the soul of a man or a woman that when God calls you son and you hear the voice of God and sense the presence of God, adoption, God calls you daughter that heals wounds that you'll never get to. My boy C.S. Lewis says it this way. We are all meant to run on something, like a car runs on gasoline. And the reason why we're frustrated is because we're trying to run on so many other things, and we were born and made to run on God. And in our society today, to fix my marriage, I need these things and these things. Yes, you do. God can do so much more when you're with him, even in a moment, because you're made to run on him. Being with Jesus inspires us to become like him and then ultimately behave like him, constant, conscious communion. Here's here's my closing. Here's what I want to challenge you. Are you right now online, in service, are you being recalled? 
Yeah, maybe you've heard the voice of God before. God's called you. You've, you've done the, the thing. You said the prayer. But it's God, as you've been going about life and other things have gotten in, is the manufacturer calling you back to him to then go back out and drive right? How many of us in this room gone about our life thinking we're okay not even knowing like these Hyundais that there's something within us that is about to either explode or implode around us and we're just doing our life and then something triggers it some kind of emotional tension comes in and we suppress it we push it down or we vent it out, but it's not fully out because we haven't come to the manufacturer. Here's the beautiful thing about the manufacturer. Kia isn't calling you to recall your vehicle and saying it's going to cost you $2,000. It's free. But they can't make you do it. The only thing involved for you is to take the time out of your schedule and drive to the manufacturer and let them take care of the contaminants. Let them take care of the problems. Let them take care of you. Are you being recalled by God? This message is for our church. I think the Lord's saying, I'm recalling some of you. Not even some of you are being really, really bad but it's about coming back to the manufacturer and finding wholeness again so that you can go back out on the road and make disciples. Will you bow your head with me? God, we ask for your presence right now, God, as we just pause and we're with you. You're in this room or you're online, just your head bowed and your eyes closed, and you know, and you're talking to me like the Lord has been calling me. I've been sensing it, but I've, I've just been kind of suppressing it or feeling like it's just something too hard. But I know I'm being recalled. I'm going to ask you to be bold and just raise your hand. Hands all around. Thank you. Thank you voice of the Lord is calling you to the manufacturer for healing, for wholeness, for purpose. I want to pray for you that raised your hand. God, thank you that you are with us always. You promise to never leave us or forsake us. In fact, the word says when we are untrustworthy, you are trustworthy. We thank you for that kind of grace, that kind of love. And thank you that your grace and love doesn't stop at us feeling cared for, but it pushes us on to being useful, God, as we want to be, for being a part. Not being abused or confused, but being truly used by you, God. Thank you, Lord. I pray for those who raised their hand and said, yes, 
being called back. Even right now, I believe and trust by your Holy Spirit, you are comforting, you are healing. Lord, and your word says that your Holy Spirit cries out, Abba, Father, calls us as adopted ones. Lord, your Holy Spirit can dissolve father, mother wounds, hurts. By us looking at your wounds on a cross and the triumph that you understand our affliction and yet you also know the love of God and no scar, no trauma, nothing could separate you from the love of God. Thank you, God, for your presence. Bring that wholeness, that healing as you recall so that we can honor you and make disciples.